It's good to see you all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. Now while you're turning there, I will kind of set this sermon up just a little bit for you today. A lot of times in our lives, we are faced with trials and obstacles that threaten us to the very end of our existence. You know, we're so beaten down that we don't know how we're going to survive. You know, we've tried to do things in our own strength. We've tried to do things in our own power. And, you know, we've tried to do things our own way. And it seems like the more and more we try and the harder we try, that the more that we fail. So my question to you today is this. What is the obstacle that you are facing and that is the reason why you are so browbeaten? What is the tribulations you are facing that keeps you up in the midnight hour? What is the trial that you are facing that keeps you pacing the floor at night? What has happened in your life? What obstacle has transpired that you are to the point where you even question God's very existence, if He is real or not? In other words, what is it? That's kind of getting to the point. What is it? Is it family problems? Is it yourself? Is it brokenness? Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it is the bills that you're facing. Or maybe some of us here are facing health issues. Uh, Maybe it's a job. But the question is, what is it? What is it? You know, is it your past life? What has caused you to feel like giving up? What is it that has had a hold to you in 2020 or 2021 that had you feeling like you were not going to make it? Well, I think we need to ask ourselves the question, and you need to ask yourself the question, what is the obstacle? What is the obstacle? What is standing in the way? Now, here in a minute, we're going to look at this text in 1 Samuel. And when you look at this text, we're going to talk today about a woman named Hannah. And the thing about Hannah was, she was a woman of prayer. But she had what many of us would call a raw deal in life. But what I love about her is this. She did not settle for that raw deal that she was got. You know, in the game of life, we're dealt a hand and we have to play that hand that we are dealt. We may not like it, but we still have to deal with it. And so, uh, you know, she got to the point where she refused to stay in the shape that she was in And she did something about it. Now, I can see y'all looking at me and y'all are saying, well, what did she do, Pastor? Well, I'm really glad y'all asked that question because I can tell you what she did. She went after God. Now, you remember 
here the past couple of weeks. And you better be nodding your head yes. You remember two weeks ago we talked about David. And David was out in the middle of the Judean desert. And he found himself in a very adverse situation. He was surrounded by his adversaries. His very own son was trying to kill him. And what did he do? He called out to God. Last week, did you listen to the podcast, Dan? If you listened and you were here last week, what did we talk about? We talked about the children of Israel and they were in Egypt and they got tired of it. And what did they do? They cried out to God and God heard them. Now today, we're going to get to the point in this story where we see Hannah doing the same thing. We see already, and I've established, and we're going to read this here in a minute, that Hannah was a woman of prayer. And she did not settle for the raw deal that she was dealt in the hand of life. And she refused to stay there. And and she went to God. And what she did was she poured her heart out to Him and He filled her and He met her desires. So the first thing that I want to tell you this evening is this. Don't settle for the okie dokie. Don't let the devil punk you and his little imps into doing something you don't want to do. And whatever you do, please don't allow your past to hold you captive from your future. Numerous times up here, you have heard me tell you that God has got a plan and a purpose for each one of your lives. Don't let the devil and his little imps punk you out of that. So now, here for just a second, let me talk about Hannah. Hannah's name means grace. And if you define the word grace, grace is defined as the undeserved, unmerited, and unearned love and the favor of God toward man as a sinner. So when we look at her story here in a second, we were going to see that not only did she experience God's grace, but she also was characterized by His grace, both in the favor that she found with God and also as well in the way that she dealt with her situation. Now let's look in 1 Samuel. Look in the first chapter. Amen? Y'all there? Now I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And you look in verse 1, you see a lot of big old words. And I can't say them big old words, so what I want you to get out of verse 1 is this. Now there was a certain man of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. Elkanah. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophani and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, was there. In other words, those two guys that I can't say their names were Eli's sons. We'll talk about them in a minute. 
And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. That word worthy means double. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore. That word sore is severely. For to make her fret, the word fret is miserable because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple or tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. That word sore means greatly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, If thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of... Belial. And that means, in other words, she's saying, don't count me as a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Keep your Bibles open right there. And let me visit with you today. It didn't kill me. It didn't kill me. Now, when we look at Hannah, we see a woman. She represents a class of women. Those who deeply long to have a child of their own, but for reasons known or unknown, were unable to do so. But we also view Hannah as the model mother. And the reason I tell you that is with good uh, reason. I want you to look at what she promised, and you find this in verse 11. Look what she promised God even before she became pregnant. She said, Lord... If you will give me a boy, you give me a little boy, I'll give him back to you. 
In other words, she made a deal with God. So the Word teaches us that at her son's birth, whenever he got big enough, that she dedicated her son, by the way, her son was Samuel, to the Lord's work. And when the time came, she kept her promise and she left him in the temple to be prepared for a life in the ministry of God. Now let me stop here and interject something here. I want you to look at that very closely because I want you to be careful what you promise to God in prayer. Now I want you to think about this. Be careful what you promise to God in prayer. And the reason I say that is He might just take you up on it. You know, numerous times from this pulpit I have told you, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Now I'm telling you, be careful what you promise God because He may take you up on it. And here's the thing. God keeps His promises. God never promised anything to anybody that He did not keep. So He keeps His promise and He expects us to keep ours. So I'm telling you that it is very dangerous, it is very dishonest to ignore a promise, especially when we make that promise to God. And what we see here was that Hannah followed through on her promise. She said, Lord, you give me a son, and I will give that son back to you when the time comes. In other words, when he gets big enough, when he gets old enough. But there's something else. Let's not forget that the path of Hannah was not easy. Notice that she was not a woman without troubles. She was also, uh, I want you to notice that the troubles that she had did not kill her. You know, the biggest problem that Hannah had simply was she could not become pregnant and have kids. And and that's what was going on with her. But you have to understand within the culture that she lived, that was an extremely heavy burden to bear. And the reason I say that is because all women wanted a boy child. Why did they want a boy child? Because Jesus wasn't born yet. And Scripture said that the Messiah would come through the seed of a woman. So every woman was wanting to have a boy child hoping that they were going to have the Messiah. But to make matters even worse, she lived during a time when polygamy was acceptable. And so she found herself despised not only by other women but especially by one woman in particular, and that was Panina, the other wife of her husband, who was Elkanah. And apparently, Panina had no trouble getting pregnant. But the problem was that Panina was cruel. She was vindictive, and she taunted Hannah. Now, I told you what Hannah's name meant. Let me tell you what Panina's name meant. Her name meant venomous or cruel. In other words, she was spiteful. She was hateful. She was hostile. She was full of 
Baalath. And she was an enemy or an adversary toward Hannah. She wanted to, to, to make her life a living hell. And, and you can see by the way we define her name, that was her attitude. It came alive in her. And, and so the Bible tells us, and maybe you noticed this when we read the Scripture, if you paid attention, but did you see it says that Elkanah loved Hannah. Did you get that in the Scripture? But you don't say in there anywhere where it says he loved Panana. It does not say that. Now, that could have been a reason why she took every opportunity to pester, to harass, to badger Hannah about not being able to give birth. It could be that this woman was full of, of, of resentment. She was full of jealousy and anger and annoyance by the fact that Elkanah loved Hannah more than he loved her. So it seems though that Paniah set out to make Hannah's life a nightmare. That was her ultimate goal. That's what she wanted to accomplish. And because of that, Hannah suffered a whole lot of mental anguish as well as, as physical anguish under Panana's hand. And we know that because the Bible tells us that Hannah was so upset that she would not eat. And all she did was cry. But I want to show you something here. Hannah's response to being harassed wasn't just that she cried and did not eat, but it seems like that she went into a deep state of depression. You know, I, I, I can only imagine how, how she felt. You know, she didn't feel whole. She did not feel worthy because Hannah lived in a time, in a culture, in a society where the women were looked down upon for not being able to have children. And having Penina always in her face just made the situation all that much worse. And I want to tell you something else that you might not know. A man had every right, if he wanted to, to divorce a barren woman. But I want you to know what Elkanah did. Elkanah remained devoted to Hannah. Even though she could not have children. You know, even though she was a social embarrassment. Even though... She was a, uh, a ridicule socially. The criticism was just unbearable for her. But, and, and I've got to tell you this this evening. Instead of us accepting the things that the devil throws at us, we need to learn how to get up and pray. We need to learn how to seek God's faith when 
our backs are against the wall. And it seems like to me that we're falling deeper and deeper into the bowls of our trouble. Now, I've got to ask you a question. With all of this going on that we've talked about, how did her husband respond? What did he do? Well, let's give him just a little bit of credit. Because he tried to be understanding. He tried to be supportive. You know, he told Hannah how much he loved her. You know, you notice in Scripture that, that we read in our text, he, he even tells her, Am not I better to thee than ten sons? And to prove that, when they went up to, to Shiloh to worship, the Bible says that he gave her a double portion at the feast. But I need to tell you something. However, that didn't work then. And it does not work now. Listen to me. Listen to me very closely, folks. Don't try, and there's too many people out there in this cruel world that are trying to do this. They are trying to solve emotional distress by just eating a whole bunch more food. Or buying whoever their mate expensive gifts. We can't defeat emotional distress by tying up and using drugs and alcohol as a tool. We can't beat emotional distress by drowning ourselves in a job or in money. And certainly we cannot solve emotional distress by running into the arms of someone else. And I want you to see here, as hard as he tried, He was a good husband to Hannah. He was a loving husband to Hannah. But as hard as he tried, even as a loving husband, he could not not remove the deep anguish, the deep pain that she felt. In other words, Elkanah no longer was a substitute for what she wanted. He was no longer a substitute for the real thing. Hannah had gotten to a point in her life where she realized that her husband could no longer be a substitute for what she was really desiring. He could not fulfill her emptiness. And and so what did she do? She turned another direction and her her response becomes a model to us. This is where you need to wake up and start paying attention because what did she do? The Bible says Hannah turned to the Lord. In other words, she cried out to the Lord. You know, sometimes when we have problems, especially when we're young, and we have troubles, what what do we do? The first thing we do is we run to our parents. As we, you think it's going to do you good to move to the other side, I can come over here to, no, I'm messing with you. I know. (laughs) But but when when we get older, a lot of times we'll run to our friends. And that's why when we're young, we run to our parents. When we get older, we run to friends or another family member. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to find solutions to our problems. So that's what we do. But you notice that Hannah 
did not do that. Hannah runs in a different direction and she runs to the Lord. And many of you know, you can run to your parents, you can run to your family, you can run to your friends trying to get the solutions. But the thing is, they don't know the answers because if they did, they would use those answers to help themselves. You know, some people will pick up the phone and dial 1-900-PSYCHIC thinking that they're going to get an answer there all to come out and find out that they ain't got a clue either. And the only way that we're going to find solutions to our trouble is by crying out to God. In other words, we need to learn how to run to Him. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well... Uh, I know the pastor, and I think the pastor's got all the answers. Well, if you come to me and ask me for the answer, I'm going to tell you run to God. Because that's where you're going to find the answer to your problems. So now, what was her first response? She cried out to God. She wept. In the bitterness of her soul, it seemed to her that she just couldn't take it anymore. She had got to a point where it was simply too much for her to bear. The shame, the lack of fulfillment, the taunting, the looks, and, and even the words that the other women were hurling her direction. And to make matters worse, she was watching this other woman's children playing out in the front yard. And she probably saw Elkanah out there playing with them and all the attention that he was giving them, it was unbearable. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever got to a point like that? Do you sometimes feel like that? Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying because of the same reasons that Hannah had. But have you ever got a point in your life to where you didn't think you could take it anymore? When you felt completely helpless? And the tears began to flow? You notice that was Hannah's first response. was bitter tears. But I think I need to tell somebody this evening that when you're going through whatever you're going through, and you get to that point where you feel helpless, when you get to that point where you feel like, I just can't take this for another second, and those tears begin swelling up in your eyes, I think I need to tell you to let them flow. Because there's nothing wrong with your tears. But when you're going to let them flow, let them flow in the presence of God and let your crying turn and pray. Listen to me. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon today, get this. There was not one thing, not one thing, Hannah could do 
about all the criticism that she was receiving. All the jeering that was coming her way from the other woman. And I'm sure those words eroded her self-confidence. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been guilty of saying, well, I don't care what old so-and-so says about me. Have you ever done that? I have. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they think about me. But if it gets bad enough, and it gets nasty enough, Maybe we don't let somebody else know. Maybe we don't tell anybody else. But deep down inside, it's gnawing at us. Because we can't get it out of our heads. It's there. And we dwell on it. And we dwell on it. And we dwell on it. Folks, there wasn't one thing that she could do about everything she was going through. But I can tell you this. You can do something about the way you respond to it. Have you ever thought about that? There is something that you can do about how you respond to it. And the reason I say that we can choose how we react to criticism. Because rather than dwelling on our problems, we can enjoy the loving relationship that God has brought into our lives. And then we can exchange our self-pity for hope. So what did Hannah do? She prayed. She prayed in her heart. You notice our text tells us that her lips were moving, but there wasn't any words coming out. Hannah poured out her soul as she prayed. And I'm not talking about when Hannah prayed, this wasn't some surface prayer that she was praying. It was a prayer that was coming from the innermost center of her being. It reminds us of the familiar words of the psalmist that says this. It's a song that we say, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Folks, listen to me. We got to keep praying to the Lord for ourselves. And let me show you why. And you might have picked this up in the text as we read it. But that priest Eli, Let's bring him on the scene of our, our, our little story today. He wasn't very discerning that day. He had a whole lot of other things on his mind. You remember that I told you that his two sons were there. If you flip over to the next chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, you will see that these two sons of Eli 
absolutely abhorred anything about God. In other words, they were rebellious against God. And that's probably what Eli had on his mind. Because evidently, he thought that Hannah was nothing but a drunk. He was sitting there watching her as she prayed, and it says he marked her mouth. In other words, he was watching her pray. Her lips were moving, but no words were coming out. And he thought, that crazy old gal, she's just drunk. And you notice he asked her that. He says, how long are you going to stay drunk? And she had to explain to him that she wasn't drunk, but that she was praying because of her travail. She was lifting up her voice unto the Lord that her prayers was coming out of all of her anguish and pain and grief that she had been experiencing. That tells me, listen to me, that tells me no matter what folks think about you, that you've got to keep praying. You see what Hannah did? You look in verse 12 of chapter 1. Eli was watching her. He thought she was a stark raving lunatic drunk. But the Bible says she continued praying. It don't matter what somebody thinks about you. You're sitting there praying. They may think you're an idiot, that you're a lunatic. You keep on praying. And verse 11 tells us that she made a vow. And that was part of her prayer. She was simply making a vow to give back to God what was already His. And what I want you to see is everything that Panana, Panina was doing, she meant it for harm. Her enemy meant it for good or for bad. But I want you to look how God took Hannah in this situation and turned it around for her good. And what I mean by that is this. Not only did God give her that son she wanted, but God gave her four other children. Well, I was corrected at Rockwood this morning. A woman said five other children. But anyway, she had, she had a whole parcel. But here's what, let's wrap this up. And this is what I want you to see. As much as a devil wanted to destroy her, God turned this thing around. And I need to tell someone in this room today, even though the devil wanted to kill you, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to depress you. He wants to bring you down. He didn't kill you. It didn't kill you. And if it don't kill you, it only makes you stronger. So you go through whatever you go through, whatever you have to go through, and you run to God and you cry out to God and you let God turn this thing around from something bad to something good. So then, 
when the devil has tried you, you can say, but I'm still standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing on the Word of God. I'm standing. I am standing and it didn't kill me. Somebody might ask you, well, how do you know that it didn't kill you? And you say, well, I'm standing right here before you today as a living testimony. What more do you want? Yeah, you may have seen me downcast and dejected and depressed. Yeah, you might have seen me disappointed and discouraged and disenchanted. And I was filled with bitterness and I was filled with anguish. But you know what? I'm still here. I'm still standing. It didn't kill me. So what are we going to do? We're going to trust God. We're going to take whatever obstacle that is standing in our way. And we're going to give it to God. And we're going to trust God. No matter what it looks like. No matter what it seems like. We're going to trust God. And let Him do what He wants to do instead of trying to handle it on our own. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You today for this Word that we've heard, Father. We just thank You so much for this church, this church family. Father, I just ask that You continue to protect us in this very challenging time. Father, I just ask that You guide us and direct us as we leave this place, Father, and forgive us where we fail You. Father, we just thank You for this time that we've had today to spend in Your Word, to hear Your Word proclaimed. And Father, keep this on our hearts that whatever we come up against, that we need to take it and run to You. Father, we got a lot of folks that are missing today. And we just ask that they're safe and we pray that you bring them back at the next appointed hour and all the folks that we've got on our prayer list, Father, once again, we lift them up to you and we ask that whatever need they have, that that need is met. Father, we thank you for the blessing of rain that you gave us, Father. It just replenished the old earth and we praise you so much for it. And of course, Father, we continue to ask for more as only You can send it. So Father, watch over us and care for us as we leave this place. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.